So today I want to talk about loving with the Father's love. Loving with the Father's love. Loving beyond something that we're capable of. Loving beyond something that can be stirred up or strengthened within us just of our own goodness or of our own charity or our own experience or whatever. Loving with the Father's love. A couple weeks ago when I talked about giving, I made the statement. I said, when we talk about tithing, um, if something gets anxious within you, if something like just you get uncomfortable with that, it's most likely red flag from the Lord saying, there's something in your life I want to touch. There's something in your life I want to heal. There's something in your life I want to bring freedom to. And so as I'm preaching this message, I, I say the same thing. There's, this is how the Holy Spirit works, okay? He, he stirs something within us and he wants us to acknowledge it. And then he wants us to say, teach me, guide me, lead me into this. And so as, as I'm preaching this message, if there's something that, that just kind of stands out in your heart, if there's a red flag of any, any sort, just at some point today, respond to the Holy Spirit. Right here, there where you are, just respond and say, Lord, I don't want to miss what you're trying to teach me right now. So let me learn it. In talking about loving with the love of the Father, I'm going to talk about the least of these, the largest of these, and the lowest of these. And we'll see that without the Father's love, we are not capable of truly loving these three. The least of these, the largest of these, and the lowest of these. In fact, without the Father's love and loving with the Father's love, the result of these difficulties will all be the same. Fear. Friends, we either live our lives by faith or we live our lives by fear, but we cannot do both because they do not coexist. They do not play well together. Living our lives by faith is what God has called us to do. Living our lives by fear is what the enemy desires us to do. And it doesn't matter who we are or where we're at or what area of our life we're talking about. Are we going to have faith and believe God? Are we going to allow fear to grip us, which oftentimes leads to us controlling, us being in control? You know, us saying, you know, oh my God, I'm not big enough. I, I, I can't handle this. This is too big. And we forget about walking by faith. So let's make sure that we're on the same page when I talk about what the Father's love is. The Father loves with agape love. And because of the completed work of Jesus Christ, when we trust in Jesus, we then become empowered to love with agape love. Because I want to make it abundantly clear, we can't love with agape love outside of God. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no loving with that agape love. Agape love has been described as unconditional love. Love without condition. Love that we didn't see coming and love that we didn't have coming. Love that is not earned. Love that is unexpected and unannounced and unmerited. It just comes to us despite everything else. Despite the good, the bad, the ugly, it comes and it never runs out and it never 
fades as long as we stay connected to Jesus Christ. The enemy wants us disconnected. Let's just be abundantly clear. When it talks about the devil, I remember Andy preached a message about, about the devil, you know, walking uh, uh, around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And Andy pointed out, the ones whom he may devour are the ones that are disconnected, that have disconnected themselves from the hurt. The ones that are, that, that, that are secluded and they're easy prey. And that's what the enemy wants from us as well, guys, to be disconnected from Christ, from, from the local church, from this unity and this fellowship. You guys, we're not lone rangers. And he wants nothing more than for me and Kara to, to feel isolated and disconnected and like we're on an island. We're not on an island. God has surrounded us with people that will point us to Jesus Christ. And we in turn point everyone to Jesus Christ because we're not alone. Agape, it never runs out. But you see, this is not how we're used to seeing love. This is not how we're used to receiving love. And this kind of love is not what naturally flows from us either. We used to love on different terms. We're used to love along the lines of, you made me feel good, so I love you. You benefit me in some nice ways, so I love you. You are handsome or you are beautiful, so I love you. You treated me well, so I love you. That's how we're used to love. That's how we're used to giving it, and that's how we're used to receiving it. But you know what? What about the minute someone's not beautiful or handsome? Oh, I don't love you anymore. Friends, that's the world, man. That's life. Is this on? Is this? Are we? I just want to make sure you guys. This is this is real. I'm not making this up. This is this is how the world sees love. The minute you stop benefiting me, I cut you off. And a lot of times in church, that same worldly mindset exists. The minute you no longer are beautiful or lovely or beneficial to me, you gone. The Father's agape love operates on a much higher plane. It says this. It says you've shown me disdain. And you've despised me. And you've attacked me. And you've betrayed me. But in my love, I still pursue you. It says you are ugly and emotionally disfigured and all around unlovely. But in pure love, I chase after you and I see your beauty. I see your worth. I see your potential. The Father's love says, you have attacked me, betrayed me, denied me, but I will never give up on you and I will always welcome you. I love the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. Doesn't matter what the son did. Doesn't matter what he squandered his inheritance on. Doesn't matter how insulting it was that he demanded his inheritance and said, I want to live as if you're dead, Father. We see in that story that when the father sees the son from a long ways off, which means he was looking, which means he was looking for the son, the minute he saw the, the, the distant silhouette of the son, he runs to him, embraces him, hugs him, says, my son was dead, now he's alive. The son begins his monologue. Father, I have sinned against you, and if I could only be... A, and, the, and the father interrupts him and hugs him and throws a robe around him. 
and shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger and said, you're a son, you're not a servant. Because the son was going to come saying, if I could only be a servant in your house. He's like, you're not a servant, you're a son. I love that. He's always there. He will always welcome us back. Agape love is the best kind of stubborn. It's the best kind of stubborn. You won't shake it. You can't shake it. You can't push him away. He's always going to be there on the door knocking. Waiting for us to open. Agape love is the Father's love. So when I'm talking about the Father's love, I'm talking about agape love. Capiche? Loving with the Father's love changes lives. Loving with the Father's love changes lives and it starts with ours. I know there's some loving people in this room. Your impact will be so, so limited if you're just loving with your love. But when we love with the love of the Father, lives are changed. Romans 10 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved is sozo. It means saved, healed, delivered. Everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, the character, the nature of Jesus Christ will be saved, healed, delivered. And that speaks of both our justification and our sanctification. Justification, the minute that that God receives us just as we are and we are saved. And then our sanctification, the walking out of our faith. Friends, we got to walk it out. We got to walk it out and we got to constantly be calling upon the name of the Lord. I am in constant need of healing. I am in constant need of even saving in certain situations. I'm in constant need of his deliverance when the enemy comes against me. God the Father is a lover and he loves what he loves not based on the outward loveliness of the object but because of the Father's flawless and unchangeable character. His character never changes. His character is never shaken. Okay, so we're clear on the Father's love. Because as I'm preaching this message and I talk about the Father's love, we've got to grasp that first. It's way bigger than something that, that we can generate. Whoever the best of us is. I don't know who that would be. I know who it's not. Hey, me. Whoever the best of us is in this room, your love's not enough to do the things that God desires to do in all of our lives. So when we talk about those three difficult circumstances where this kind of love is needed, just realize that our human love will always fall short. So these three difficult circumstances, let's be honest, they're normally three difficult types of people. The least of these, the largest of these, and the lowest of these. If you don't understand the difference between your love and the Father's love, and you just try and do it in your own love, you'll be okay for a while. As long as everything's smooth sailing, you'll be all right. As long as they're pretty and they benefit you and all these things, you'll be okay. But we know that's not reality. 
the minute we come up against the least or the largest or the lowest, we are in trouble. And if we can't love like the Father, then we're sunk. Romans 5, 6-8 says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows His love for us and that while we, will st- we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for the lovely, the beautiful, the handsome, the ones that benefited Him. He died for us sinners. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Friends, love is supposed to cover a multitude of sins. Love is supposed to cover a multitude of sins. I'm, I'm in so much trouble if love doesn't cover a multitude of sins, because the minute I step on your toes, which I do, then I'm no longer lovely. And, and love's no longer cover a multitude of sins, because that pastor's not perfect. When for crying out loud, do I need to cuss to say I'm not perfect? Do, I mean, what do I need to do? I'll, I'm not perfect. No one in this room is perfect. Our spouse isn't perfect. Our children aren't perfect. Our boss isn't perfect. Our neighbors aren't perfect. So either love covers a multitude of sins or it doesn't. Well, we can't pick and choose. We've got to be loving with the Father's love, not our own love. And if we find our own love living out, friends, if, if it's running out, we're disconnected. We're disconnected. That's a red flag. We are disconnected from the Father if we find that we are running out of love and running out of grace. So let's read that passage from 1 Peter 4.8 again with the understanding of the exact... Uh, use of that word love. Above all, keep loving one another like the Father earnestly loves since the Father's agape love covers a multitude of sins. And here as well in Romans 5, 8. But God shows His agape love for us and that while we were still sinners, He died for us. The least. The least of these. The least of these are the people that we may be tempted to avoid, to ignore, to pretend they're not there. The least of the folks that we're most likely not to notice. And if we do notice them, we tend to avoid them. They're difficult. They're insecure. They're always smack dab in the middle of drama. They demand a lot of time. And their need and their nakedness and their neediness is either ugly to us or it scares us. They're needy, they're homeless, they're prisoners, they're full of drama, whatever it is. When it comes to the least of these, we, we tend to buy into fear. We tend to agree with fear. And we say their need is bigger than what I have to offer. What they need is more than I have. I don't have the time. I don't have the training. I don't have the resources. I don't have the energy. They're just so difficult. You guys remember what I said about either walking by faith or walking by fear? 
These kinds of people are the least of these. We just want to rush by. We avoid eye contact. We don't take their calls. We don't ask them how they're doing. Why? Because they're going to answer and tell you the truth. And we're like, ah, I don't have time for that. I don't have energy for that. The second half of Romans 14.23 says this, for whatever does not proceed from faith is what? Sin. Why do we avoid these people? Quite honestly, because they drain us. And we accept that as an excuse. And we accept that as legitimate. I'm not denying they don't drain us. Hear me. I'm just saying it's not valid enough. Not as a bearer of the name of Jesus Christ. Not as a bearer of the character of Jesus Christ. I'm just letting you know that the fact that they drain us is not good enough. If we're drained, then we'll be weak. And if we're weak, then we'll be in lack. And if we're in lack, then we won't have enough. We, that's fear. That's not faith. And it's not love. If we are loving with the Father's love, then we won't allow fear from engaging us. If we are loving with the Father's love, we will rebuke fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Fear of not being emptied of being emptied and then not being filled back up. We'll rebuke fear of being too weak and not being confident in the strength of God. We will rebuke fear of being in lack and not trusting Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You guys, we have to truly believe that Jesus is the answer and we are not. I'm going to say that again. We have to truly believe that Jesus is the answer and we are not. With God's agape love, we give what God has given us and what we don't have, we've got to be at peace with. What do we see in Acts chapter 3, verse 6? Peter said, I have no silver, I have no gold, but what I do have... I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I remember a song where we clap. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man in the way. He held out his palms and he asked him for alms. And this is what Peter did say. You guys remember that song? Silver and gold have I none. But such that I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There you go. Thank you, Joyce. You guys, we, we got to... There you go. We got to stop making excuses and think that we're not enough. What do you have? When, when, when Peter said, such that I have, I give to you. We focus on what we don't have yeah. instead of focusing on what we do have. We have the living God within us. Yeah. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. One who is so powerful that Jesus says, it is better that I go away. If I won't, then you, the Holy Spirit won't be sent to you. Amen. We got the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We got Jesus who conquered death and now sits and reclines at the right hand of the Father saying, it's finished. It's done. 
I want to empower them to, to walk out these things and to, and to change lives. And we've got to walk out these things and we've got to change lives. But the God's agape love, we don't focus on what we don't have to give them. But we get excited about what we do have. We don't have to make apologies. Silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give. No, it's don't got money, but I got something better. But we got to believe we got something better. We got to believe we got something better. We need to overcome this doubt, this disdain, disgust, and the draining associated with the least of these. We love with the Father's love when we're generous with our time, when we're generous with our affection, when we're generous in our faith. The largest. Second set of difficult circumstances, a.k.a. people that we need the Father's love in dealing with. If we don't love with the Father's love the largest of these, then we're not going to get very far with the largest of these. Because the largest of these, they're, they're not losers in any way or shape. They are winners. They are large. This is not the person that we're most likely to ignore, but this might be the the person we're most likely to resent. The largest of these is a person who does what we do. They just do it better. They eclipse us. They leave us in their shadow. Maybe it's the more talented brother. Maybe it's the prettier sister. Maybe it's the bigger church down the road. It's the person that everyone gushes over. And they have the nerve to do it right in front of you. (laughs) The largest of these is that person who excels in the area in which you want to excel, and you probably do. They just excel a little bit more. We are threatened by those who are most like us, just a little bit better, just a little bit more talented, just a little bit more successful. We are most resentful of those who are just like us, just more successful. We need the Father's love to give us freedom from either our sense of inferiority or insecurity or our sense of superiority and entitlement. Well, what what makes them better than me? Why do they deserve that? Why do they deserve that promotion? You know, why does everything happen to them? Why is their house a little nicer? Why is their their wife a little bit better cook? Why is why are their kids' grades a little better? Why are why is their dog the poo is a little smaller and easier to pick up? Whatever it is. You know, it's a Ten Commandment not to covet. And I firmly believe the Ten Commandments were given for the sake of relationship. And when we covet and we're not grateful for our own lives and and we start resenting people because they have something that we want or or more dangerously if we think we deserve, man, we're we're in a heap of trouble, guys. And I'm telling you right now, if we have that mindset, that is a red flag. 
and you will never be able to reach them with the love of the Father unless there's repentance and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. Change me, Lord. Work that out in me, Lord. I am grateful. I am thankful. You guys, God looks at the condition of the heart. We can fake it. We can fake it where others don't know what we're, what's there, but God sees the condition of the heart. Are we grateful? Are we thankful? I'm not talking about admiration. I'm not talking about, man, I love what, what you know, Brandon's done you know, with his house. Man, I love what he's done with his... Man, he's got an, an amazing back porch. Man, I so benefit from it. Love his you know, patio, whatever. I'm talking about leaving going... I, I, I should have a patio like that. We need the Father's love so that we can be free in identity and security and grace and humility. If we don't love the largest of these with the love of God, then we will most likely allow fear to kill these relationships that could be quite wonderful. I want to surround myself with people smarter than me. I want to surround myself with people with more capacity than me. I want to surround myself with people that are more learned than me. I want to surround myself with people that are more talented than me. And that's not an indication of my identity because my identity is found in Jesus Christ. I want wise counsel in my life. I want wise men and women in my life. I want people that love me enough that they embrace accountability with affection. I want strong people. Where that I won't get threatened. That remind me of the love of God. That will help me walk out loving the least of these. Remember the story of David and Jonathan? Saul, the father of Jonathan, was David's rival. Saul was David's rival. Jonathan was heir to the throne. You got a king, you got a son, king dies, the prince. Jonathan was a prince. Saul was feeling eclipsed and he was feeling in the shadows because of David. And that's usually what you feel when you're in the presence of one of the largest of these. You feel like you're in the shadow. You feel eclipsed. So Saul did what you sometimes do in the presence of the largest of these. He threw a spear at him. Now we tend not to throw physical spears because that's attempted murder and that's bad. We just do it on social media. We just do it emotionally. We just do it in other ways. It's maybe not an actual physical spear, just a metaphorical one. At least with the physical spear, maybe you can dodge it. The other ways, sometimes you don't see them coming. Without loving the, with the Father's love, we will try to destroy the beauty and the giftedness of the Davids in our life. Because they make us feel less than. Friends, if you don't know the story, go read the story. Man, that's Saul. That's Saul. The beauty of David being despised because he felt less than. Because his focus wasn't right. Jonathan, Jonathan had more to lose 
than Saul. And Jonathan embraced David. Jonathan was gifted. He knew the art of war and defense. He knew how to lead. He was a dope harp player. He was great. He was talented. Just not as talented as David. But Jonathan saw a glimpse of the kingdom and of God's purposes and he knew who he was and his identity in Christ was firm. And so he cared more about the advancement of the kingdom of God. He saw the destiny that he had linked with David, but that God had a calling upon David. And Jonathan found security and identity and linked himself and did not despise the largeness of David. He didn't make it about himself, but he saw the bigger vision of trusting God and advancing God's kingdom. To love the largest of these, we got to have the love of the Father. We got to see them with the eyes of the Father. We've got to let the pettiness of the flesh be nailed to the cross. And we've got to understand humility and grace and trust and identity. This is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. The father didn't just say that to Jesus. And and when the father spoke that to Jesus when he was being baptized, Jesus hadn't done a single miracle yet. Hadn't taught a single message yet. Hadn't preached a single sermon on a mount or a hill. And he said, this is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. Friends, the identity and the affection and the favor of the Father is not dependent upon what we do for him. So I encourage us to be honest with God in this and say, God, what are you doing here? I wanted what that person has, but you didn't give it to me. So how can I be on board for what you're doing through them? How can I be a Jonathan to their David? Do you want to know who the largest of these is? In your life, do you want to know who the largest of these is? Do you? You already know who they are. We already know who they are. They're the ones we can't stop thinking about or we can't stop talking about or we can't stop slamming. So this message, and at least this portion of this message, well, the whole whole dang thing, it's a call to repentance. It's a call to change our mind. It's a call to change the way we think about things. Who's going to reach them? Who's going to reach the largest of these who don't know Jesus? If everyone around them resents them and despises them and and slams them, who's going to reach them? Who's going to reach kings? Who's going to reach rulers? Who's going to reach men and women of influence who God wants them to be saved because he, he wants to use them to impact his kingdom. Who's going to reach them? It doesn't have to be another king. It can be you and I. He wants to change your feelings of resentment into incredible favor toward that person, even if you're more deserving. Will we allow God to do that? It got quiet. I need a joke. I don't have any more jokes written into here. <laughs> the lowest of these. I talked about the least of these, the largest of these, 
and the lowest of these. And these, these aren't just difficulties. I just want to be abundantly clear. These aren't just difficulties. The lowest of these, they're your enemies. They've done something. Okay? The lowest of these, they have hurt you. They have betrayed you. They're low. They've abused you and you know what they are and you have reason to despise them because they've taken something from you. Friends, we don't really need God to love those that are beautiful. We don't really need God to love those that are so, so lovable. But we absolutely need the love of God to love those who are the lowest, to love our enemies. And there is no other way to love the lowest than through the agape love of the Father. Agreement is needed in this as much as anything that we will face. We have to agree with God. We have to agree with amazing grace instead of revenge. We have to agree with the forgiveness of God instead of punishment. We have to agree with trusting God instead of living in fear. Who is your enemy? Who is the person who hurt you? The truth is this, you can't love that person unless God is capable of empowering you to do so. And I want you, please hear me, God is capable of empowering you to love in this way. You can't love the lowest. You can't love the enemy. You can't love the unlovable without the agape love of the Father. And friends, we've got to agree with Him because in this area, not agreeing with Him only tears us down. It only hurts and it only causes bitterness and it only unforgiveness. It only makes us captive to that person. We're not free. We're only free when we trust God completely. I'm not talking about some imaginary world where we just pretend nothing happened. I'm talking about a conscious choice motivated by the love of God and the need for God. Yes, they were wrong. Yes, what they did was despicable. But I'm talking about you and God and I'm talking about you being whole and I'm talking about us being free and I'm talking about us being in a free flow of God's grace where their eyes are set on nothing hinders it. And I'm talking about forgiveness. You know what the opposite of love is? 
It's not hate. It's not hate. The opposite of love is fear. 1 John 4.18 says this, there is no fear in love. Friends, there is no fear in love. This is the place I'm wanting to remind us that we got to get to, that place of love. There's no fear in love. Do you guys want to be in a place where there's fear or do we want to be in a place where there is no fear because we're in a place of love? That's what I'm talking about. But perfect love casts out fear. And I imagine this very aggressive. I imagine this very strong and very indignant and very angry, but not sinning angry, right? Like the like the, the borderline of be angry and sin not. Perfect love casts out fear. You suck, you know, I mean, just... We've got to choose to be in that place of love. We've got to choose to be in that place, that place of perfect love, and that place is Jesus Christ. For fear, still in 1 John 4, 18, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Fear will block the perfect love of God from filling us. Fear will block the love of God from flowing out of us. And it says it here, fear is always linked with punishment. Fear lies and says, you don't measure up. Fear lies and says, you can't be healed. It was too big. Fear lies and says, you're not worth it. Fear lies and says, if they really knew you, they wouldn't like you. Fear lies and says, you can't let people close. Fear lies. Fear lies. Now, I said it before, and I'm going to ask you right now, right now, my preach is over. Right now, what are the red flags? Lord has allowed to be raised because right now what that means is that the Holy Spirit wants to touch those places and bring healing and deliverance and revelation and freedom. So what are those areas right now where there's something just popping up? Just embrace Jesus. Right now, embrace Jesus. Let God do what He wants to do. Let the Holy Spirit guide us into the truth of the healing power of Jesus Christ for that area right now. Don't push it away. Don't suck it up. Don't pretend like it doesn't hurt. Don't don't be numb to it. Embrace Jesus. Embrace Jesus. Let God do what He wants to do right now. Don't swallow it. Please. Call out to Jesus right there where you are. You guys, we got to let the Father's love in. And then we got to let the Father's love out. Can I remind you that you're not the fixer? Can I remind you I'm not the fixer? Can I remind you that Pastor Andy's not the fixer? Can I remind you that your small group leader's not the fixer? Can I remind you that your best friend is not the fixer? Can I remind you that your spouse is not the fixer? Can I remind you that your counselor's not the fixer? Can I remind you that... The bourbon's not the fixer? Can I remind you that none of those things are the fixer? Jesus is the fixer. So what I'm asking you to do is grab a hold of Jesus. You don't got to fix this. You don't got to solve this. 
That's never been asked of you by Jesus. That's never been asked of you by a father who loves you, who embraces you, who knows you, who built you. That's not been asked. You're not the fixer and I'm not the fixer. What I'm asking is for real. Would you embrace Jesus and say, touch me and heal me and deliver me and save me and do what you want to do? I'm telling you right now, the least and the largest and the lowest for us to to be in relationship with and to find victory in and to be used in, we gotta we gotta have the love of the Father. But let me ask you this. What if you are the least? What if you are the largest? What if you are the lowest? What if you're the least? If you're the least, then I'm telling you right now with full confidence and full assurance that your identity can be phenomenal. In Christ Jesus, there's a new identity waiting for you. You're not the lowest. You're loved. You're the lovedest. Your identity can be found in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be insecure. You don't have to be doubtful. The drama that has characterized your life, God wants to just just bring clarity to your life. But you do have to call upon the name of Jesus. You can't just write it out. Just write it out. Stay the course. Be strong. Buck up. No, you've got to call upon the name of Jesus. And you must believe that He is your answer and that He is enough. What if you're the largest? If you're the largest, then you can find identity in Jesus Christ that is not dependent upon your wins or your trophies or your successes. And that's really good news because the tide always turns. And if your identity is wrapped up in your trophies or your wins or your victories, what happens when difficulty comes or the tide turns or the market crashes or the business partner betrays you? What happens then? But you've got to call on the name of Jesus to secure your identity in Him. Your identity is not in your monetary worth. Your identity is contained in the worth that the Father says you are. You are mine. You are His. What if you're the lowest? What if you are the lowest? What if you have done those horrific things? If you're here today and and you say, I'm the lowest, I want you to know there is grace for you. Because our God is bigger. There is grace for you. Jesus paid for it with his blood. He paid for it on the cross. But you also have to call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. And you got to be healed. And you got to be delivered. And all that comes with calling upon the character of Jesus Christ. Friends, it doesn't matter where we're at. We are not about punishment. We are about love. If you're the lowest, I... The whole world has punished you, but not as hard as you punish yourself. You don't have to punish yourself because Christ does not punish you. In fact, he, took, he, he endured punishment for you. You guys, this message is for everybody. 
I'm trying not to leave anyone out. This message is for everybody. I'm a Christian. I bear the name of Jesus. This message should mean a whole lot to me. If you bear the name of Jesus Christ, you are a Christian, and this message should mean a lot to you. If you've never given your life to Christ, do so right there where you are. We don't even have to close our eyes. How, how amazing is that? We don't even have to close our eyes. We don't got to do this. You don't got to repeat a prayer after me. You just right there where you are got to call upon the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I changed my mind and I want you to reign and rule in my life and, and I want you to have your way. Just right there where you are. Eyes open. Call upon the name of Jesus and you will be saved.